0: So this morning we're going to be picking up where we left off last week in chapter 5. And one of those things that is so good for us is we study through the scriptures and we do it here at Freedom. Just chapter by chapter, verse by verse, very slowly through the word of God. We want to get what it's saying, but we don't want to miss the context and the purpose why God inspired in the way he did the different books of the Bible so I want to encourage you guys and I know you did your homework I asked you to read through the book and many of you guys took that serious I want you to reread through it okay because you're going to catch a lot of how it's all fitting together and why this is so good so let's take a look together at 2nd Corinthians 5 we're going to pick it up in verse 11 this morning it says, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. Can Christians be a little crazy? A little beside themselves? Ever meet the Christian who gets really stoked about the piece of toast someone made and the face of Jesus appeared upon that piece of toast? That's just nuts. That's not. That's not the kind of crazy I'm talking about. I'm talking about crazy in a good way. And Paul is saying here, hey, if we're beside ourselves a little crazy, it's for Christ's sake. There's a reason. And the world may look at you as being a little crazy. I know you. You were kind of normal. You were into all the things we were into. You were wanting to get all the same things out of life that we wanted to get out of life but you've changed. Something's happened to you. You're a little crazy now, Christian. Always talking about Jesus, and it's not even Christmas yet. What are you doing? Doesn't that kind of happen when we come to faith? We hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Our lives are touched by the Holy Spirit. Our lives are forever changed. How can we not want to talk about the goodness of God? And share with others what his word says. Because isn't that what happens when we get saved? We want to know more. We start reading the scriptures. The Bible. A lot. That's crazy. Why would anybody want to read that old book? It's a bestseller for a reason, right? So if we are beside ourselves... It is for God. And I want to encourage you, brother and sister, be crazy in a good way for Jesus. We can get crazy about a lot of things, this world. Would you say there's a lot of craziness out there? Absolutely. But if we're going to be crazy, let's be crazy for him. Amen? Amen. And then it goes on to say, or if we are of sound mind, it's for you. And I think about Jesus himself Right? They said that he was uh out of his mind in Mark chapter three, verse 21. There. But you guys know I enjoy the Apostle Paul. That's why I'm enjoying 2 Corinthians. He's the one who penned this letter. And they, when he went before Festus, said, Hey, <laughs> Paul said to Festus, you're you're a little crazy, Paul, right? You're beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. Okay. And the world's gonna see that because the more. We read, the more we seek the Lord, the more our life is going to be set apart, isn't it? And the more we're set apart from this world, and that's what sanctification means, right? Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them in truth. My word is truth. That's why we take the word of God serious as believers. We're going to be sanctified, being set apart. And that world is going to, they're going to look at us as being stranger and stranger. But we're not of this world, are we? We're just passing through as we considered last week in the first part here. So I want to look at verse 11 with you guys. It says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And if you jump down to verse 14 with me, it says, for the love of Christ compels me. And I want us to connect these two thoughts together before we jump into this passage. Because this kind of gives us an overall picture of what's happening here. Because when we come to Christ, we're going to be a little crazy, right? We're going to start telling people the good news. And people are going to be like, stop it. You crazy Christian, stop pushing your religion on me. And we're like, oh, that's how I used to think. It is so not what you're thinking. (laughs) It's not about religion. It's about our creator and what he has done for us. He really loves us. And he wants us to be a part of his family forever and ever. And he's made a way possible. We know it's so much more than just religion, don't we? But we want to share the truth of the gospel with others in knowing we know the truth of the gospel. Therefore, what do we do as a result of that? Okay, We, the terror of the Lord, we want to persuade men. Is this saying that we need to be terrified of God? Is that what this verse is actually saying? Not at all, guys. To understand the awesomeness. Some translations actually put it that way too. The terror of the Lord. There is a heaven and a hell. And there's a reason why God tore into this world, became like you and I. He was on a mission. And we want to share that with the world. We want to persuade people that there's a very real reality to where we are going in this afterlife. And eternity has been written in all our hearts. Do you guys know that? Even an atheist that doesn't believe in God in the afterlife, if you get into a serious conversation, they'll say, you know what? Deep down, I believe there's something after this life. Well, where do you get that, Mr. Atheist? Well, they got it from God because the scriptures say God's put that into our hearts, We know that to be true, and if people are honest enough with themselves, they'll say, you know what, there is some truth to that, but now what do I do with that truth? What is to come? What does the afterlife hold? And that's where we as believers, being a little crazy for God's sake, will go and persuade men. Do you guys remember who shared the gospel with you? Aren't you glad that they understood that your soul was hanging in the balance, that heaven and hell were a reality, a truth, and they spoke the words of life to you? Aren't you thankful? I sure am. I sure am. This next week, I get to go deer hunting. How many of you guys deer hunt? All right, I don't get deer. Share some of your venison with me. Um, but since I was 11 years old, and I didn't read well as a kid, I grew up in the church. My mom got saved when I was young. But there was a man at our school who handed me a little orange Bible on the sidewalk one day when I was about 11 years old. You guys ever hear the Gideons? I still have that little orange Bible. Even though I couldn't read well, I'd always bring that little orange Bible because we had to wear blaze orange in the woods when you go hunting. And I got a Bible that matches the blaze orange theme, so I'm going to take the Word of God into the woods with me. And I would sit and I would try to read the scriptures and read the scriptures. And now, 30 some years later, you guys know what I do on stand? I think I spend more time reading the scriptures proportionally per day while I deer hunt than any other days during the year. I love it. Yes, I've missed some bucks. That's why I don't get meat. <laughs> I'm too busy reading the scriptures. I love the word of God. But that's something, guys, that we need to take serious because if we really believe what we read, what the scriptures teach, okay, there is going to be that in our heart that, hey, We need to persuade people. They need to hear. Without a preacher, how are they going to hear? Are we the ones called to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations? Yeah. He's asked us to do that. So, I want to encourage you guys. Persuade men And what helps us to do that. Did you guys catch verse 14 here? It's the love of Christ that compels us. The love of Christ... The love of Christ compels us. What's going to get me out of my comfort zone to actually be brave enough to share? Because it's scary to share our faith, isn't it? I've probably done it over a thousand times in my lifetime. Thousands, probably. But it's still uncomfortable. I wish I could say, you know what? It just gets easier and easier. And after a while, you're not nervous at all. At least for me, that hasn't happened. But I'm so convinced of the gospel and that it's true. How can we not share that with other people? Okay? And how? What's the motivating factor? It's the love of Christ. Because if he really does love us, people need to know that. And that's what's going to keep us going. And we're not going to keep going if it's something else but the love of Christ. I've been around long enough, and I've seen this in the church. People may get excited about something for a time that compels them, but that wears off after a little while. It may be the love of people and serving people. How I many is it's a joy to serve others. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's a blessing in it. But if that's the thing that compels you, it's not going to keep you because seasons change. Something else might become compelling. You know what? I tried golfing, and that's exciting too. Actually, a little more exciting than what I've been doing for a while in serving people. Maybe I'll give myself to that for a while. But after a while, is that what's going to compel you to persuade men that the good news is true? No, but that's just an example because we can have so many things in life. But the thing that's going to keep us, it's going to be love of God. It's going to be Christ's love for us. That's what's going to keep us going. So, brother and sister, what do we need to do? Keep ourselves in the love of Christ. Christ. That's what we do, foremost and above all things. Stay in that sweet spot where you are receiving his love, standing in his love, enjoying his love, because that's going to keep you to the end, because life is long. And I wish I could tell you that... Even half of the Christians I've known over the years are still in love with him like they were back then and still walking with him like they were back then that they hadn't backslidden. I wish I could say that, but that's not true. How many believers do you guys know over the years? They're not walking today, or they're not on fire as they once were. And I would say there's probably one common denominator in all of it as they fell away from the love of God. They were doing their Christianity for some other reason except simply being loved by God. But let me tell you what, guys, when we know our God and how much he loves us, the lengths he went to love us, we're gonna keep the faith. We're gonna keep moving towards him, that love, His love will compel us, guys, because life is not easy. It is hard, and there's going to be times, and I know all of us have probably felt like we have wanted to give up at different times, but what's going to keep us going? The love of Christ. Amen? Amen. So, fear and love, we see that played out here. Let's take a look at verse 10 together. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing, I want you guys to see, okay, note the connection here. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, okay? So we must give account. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ according to the scriptures to give an account of what we've actually done, whether good or bad, okay? Everyone does it. But aren't you guys glad that Christ took our place, right? And We're going to get to that in a little bit because Paul unpacks that a little bit. But because of that, that's why we want to persuade men. We know the judgment is coming. That's why we share with our loved ones and our neighbors and our coworkers, hey, Judgment will happen one day for all of us. And some people say, why hasn't it happened already? How can God allow all this junk to go on? Do a study on God's mercy in the scripture for two minutes. Like honestly, who would be left if God wasn't merciful? We all deserve death. There is so much evil in the world. Man, but how many of us were in rebellion to God and aren't you glad he was patient with you, merciful upon you, To the day you finally bowed your knee? Hey, yeah! Right? He's long-suffering. But there will be a day where all do appear. No one's going to get away with anything. God is just. Okay? Heaven and hell. Hell is a punishment. Okay? God talked a lot about hell. You know Jesus spoke about hell more than he did about heaven in the Scriptures? Study it out. Okay? It's a reality. We're all going to be there. And I don't want to see anybody go to hell. So what do we do? We share the good news with them. Can't make them get saved. That's on them. Our job is just to share that good news. What they do with it is on them. So we pray and we share. Pray and share. Pray and preach. Amen? All right. I love uh, Psalm 211. It says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. You guys, see how that kind of fits and works together also here? Okay. This is what we are called to do as believers. Okay? And not that we're scared, but it's a healthy fear. And the fear is people are going to continue to reject Jesus Christ. Isn't that the fear? Okay. So, we serve. Then verse 14, I love this, for the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. So again, guys, coming back to the emphasis of Christ. Love being the thing that compels us. And if we are convinced of this, we know that one died, okay? One died once and for all, for all our sins. We believe that. That is central to the Christian faith. And it is so unique to the Christian faith. What other religion in the world does God step down? into humanity and to do what we couldn't do every religion in the world is you have to do something in order to get to heaven there can only be one truth a lot of people say well don't all roads lead to heaven not according to God there can only be one truth you can't have contradictions and still have truth the thing that's so unique to biblical Christianity is God did. It's not what we do. It's about what he did because we can't. And then we're seeing the reality of John, uh, 1 John 4, 19. We love him because what? He first loved us, right? That's why we love. God has made us to respond to love, Okay. There's sometimes where I may feel like, oh, I don't feel connected to my wife. I don't feel like she's loving me. You know what I gotta do? I gotta love her. And then she's a responder. That's how God's created us. So, dudes, if something's off with your wife, love on them because God has wired us to be responders. Don't you guys respond to love? If someone loves on you, don't you wanna respond back in love? Yeah. So if God is love, and he's loved us the way he demonstrated his love while we were yet sinners, he died for us, right? You question the love of God, look to the cross, but we respond to that love. And that's what happens when we begin to seek him. Because if you do seek him, you're going to see like, "Oh, oh boy, this is all true. The gospel is true. God really did so love the whole world. Not just the elect, bro. <laughs> the whole world. Wow. How can I not want to persuade men then? How can I not share this good news? So one, or it says, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Proverbs 27.5. I fear that Christians are very good at loving people into hell. You guys know that we can love our neighbor real good, and if we never share the truth of the gospel with them, what's going to happen? We just loved them right into hell. But we're told to speak the truth in love. Love. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. So how can we not, out of love, tell people the truth? Well, that's judgmental. You're condemning me. Stop judging me. (laughs) No, according to Proverbs, it says what? Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. True love is going to rebuke somebody. Hey, man, I love you. And God loves you so much more than I'll ever love you. And let me tell you about how much he loved you and what he did to show you he loved you. And we share the good news with them, right? And we don't really care if their feelings get hurt because we love them enough to rebuke them and say, hey, you're in sin. You're in open rebellion to the living God, your creator. You need to give your life to him. He's given his life for you. He wants you with him for eternity in heaven. And I love you enough to tell you this truth, even though it may hurt, even though you may not agree with it, even though you may break friendship relationship with me, I'm willing to speak truth into your life because I really do love you. But let me encourage you, Christian, to speak that truth in love. Because I do see brothers and sisters speaking the truth of the gospel, not in love. That's kind of gross. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We speak truth in love. So we persuade men. Sounds like Mission Impossible to me. Nobody's getting saved. I wish people would just show up at church seeking God. I've been in pastoral ministry for over 20 years. A small handful of people have walked through the doors like, hey, can you tell me how to get to heaven? Wouldn't that be cool if people were actually seeking God and people were showing up every week like, hey, I want to know how to get to heaven. I got questions about God and I hear, here you can ask the pastor questions. You don't need to ask questions. You just need to go to a church that's open the scriptures. I didn't pick this this morning. I'm like, oh, this is a great passage of scripture. This is what happens every week at freedom, doesn't it? We just open the Bible and we're like, oh, here's gospel truth here again. Why? Because that is life, guys. That's what God is about. That is what God's called us into and has asked us to be about. So, what do we do? We keep sharing the love of Christ. We want to persuade men, even if it seems like there is (laughs) just a hardness of heart among everyone we know. Do we stop preaching just because people are in open rebellion to God? Okay. Church attendance is going down. We're still lying to our children. Do you guys know they teach our kids in our public school across the street here there's no God? I mean, that's how stupid, that's what we're against. It's stupid. The Bible says plainly that only a fool says in his heart that there's no God. I mean, think about it. Even the devil and his demons believe and tremble. The ridiculousness of saying that there is no God? How can you look at creation and say there's no creator? I mean, we are suppressing the truth. Big time big time and we lose hope well i've shared the gospel before i've been praying for my family for years i've shared with my friend i don't know how many times and they still want nothing to do with the gospel they continue to have their excuses about why they won't believe jesus and that's what they are their excuses they are not reasonable You guys ever find that to be true as you talk with people? It's just an excuse. It's not even fair or logical. Why? Because we suppress the truth. Romans chapter 1 tells us that. And it's hard because we're living in a day and age that the Bible talks about where there will be rebellion. The hearts of men were going to grow hard and cold. And we see that. But does that mean we stop sharing? No, we got to keep doing what God's called us to do. We still pray, pray, you know, uh, persuade men, even if it feels like it's mission impossible. Because uh, our mission as believers ever changed because it's getting harder to share? No. Mission stays the same, right? Mission is very important, it brings clarity to what we are here for. I think it'd be cool when a person gets saved if God would just rapture us right in that moment. would that be cool? I believe Jesus. And then you're seeing him face to face right away. Like, that would be so rad. But he hasn't done that. It doesn't work that way. So what are we doing? Why does he still have us here, brothers and sisters? He has us on mission. Well, what's his mission? Or our mission? It's his mission. It's the same A lot of times we're into this whole personal relationship thing about, you know, God and us and that's what our Christianity is all about, which is cool. It's true. But I think a lot of people miss the mark about our relationship with God. Do you guys know biblically, if you take an honest look at the scripture, it's more about a partnership with him. We are co-laborers with him. We are on mission with him. He wants to work in and through us. I don't hear a lot of that type of language and talk coming from the pulpits today. But that's the kind of talk and language I see when I read the scriptures. And they're not playing down. Personal relationship with Jesus is great. He is my best friend, God, my Father. I love him. But I'm also on a mission with him. Because where he goes, I'm going to follow. Isn't that what we're told to do as believers? Well, where is Jesus going? Well, he told us he came to seek and save who? The lost. Oh, he's told us to go. That's part of that great commission. Oh, that word's mission is in the commission. What? Yeah, it's going. It's not build big buildings. Have a mega church. No, he said church, Go. And we still have this mentality oh, I hope people come in here. I don't see that in Scripture. The Scriptures say, go and tell. Did you share the gospel with somebody this last week? I don't need to know. That's really between you and the Lord. But if you're a believer in Christ, that's our mission. Maybe you didn't. Have you shared in the last week, two weeks, three weeks, month, two months, three months? Do you guys know that it's said that only a small percentage of Christians ever actually even share their faith once? Yeah, that's a hard one to swallow. It's the one thing God's asked us to do, and there's only a small percentage of us who actually do it. What's up? Sound like sounds like something's trying to keep us from sharing the gospel. I wonder what that's all about. Oh wait, didn't we read in chapter four that there's a god of this age, Satan, who's blinding people? Do you think maybe that same god of this age, Satan, maybe wants to keep us from sharing the gospel too? Yeah. You ever wonder why it's so hard still to share the gospel with somebody? So we are on a mission, missions important. I wanna share with you guys my mission. My mission through the doing and the preaching of God's word is to faithfully serve and disciple my family, church, community, and anyone around the world that God puts into my life that they may grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus being equipped for every good work. Now, that falls a little bit into what God's called me to, and we've talked about this in recent weeks. God has given us all callings. We are all in ministry. There's all things that God's called us to. But I'm going to give you some homework this next week. Your homework is to come up with your own mission statement. What does God ask of me? And I do believe that part of every single one of our missions should be encompass and come around that we persuade all men that should be a part of the christian mission they're all going to look a little different because we're all called a little differently but persuading men to jesus christ needs to be a part of that so i want you guys to really pray on that think through that this week because it's going to help you and i be on mission because when things come up in life and we are making decisions about things in life we have a go-to. Here's the goal. Here's the mission. How does this thing in my life fit with the mission? Because I think a part of why we're not sharing the gospel is all these things in life have nothing to do with the mission God's called us to. But we're spending our time and energy and resources on these things that are just getting a sidetrack from what God's called us to do. But if the mission's clear, it's going to be very easy. Like, yeah. This fits. This works. This is what God is calling me to do. So, my mission is, that is your homework for this next week. Let's take a look at verse 15. I hope you guys are catching this. I'm not trying to come down on you hard again. I'm just wanting to look at this passage of Scripture. like When it comes to what we are called to, as believers... This passage of scripture is so clear. This is what God has asked of us, okay? And I'm not trying to, you know, (laughs) I'm not trying to push you guys to do something God doesn't want you to do. I'm just trying to call you and invite you into what God is asking of us. And this is very simple. This is to be life. And I think it rubs us the wrong way because we've given our lives to other things. But that's where God wants to change our hearts, to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus. And isn't that the goal? I mean, how many of us would you know, say, I don't want to be like Jesus? <laughs> no, that's, that's our desire, right? He says, be holy as I'm holy. Follow me. Be like me. Yeah, I want to be more like Jesus. Because he's very loving, right? Very caring. I want to be like that. So verse 15, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them, and he rose again, therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer And I love these passages of scriptures, guys, because it really begins to come and encompass the gospel, right? Jesus did come, and he did die, and he did rise again uh, from the grave. And why has he done this, guys? Well, that according to the flesh, it says there, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Christ lives, guys. And he goes on to tell us, then, because of this, Oh, actually, let's look at this real quick. This is cool. Kind of comes around and answers these questions. Why did he die? Well, that we might, through him, live, right? Isn't that what 1 John 4, 9 says? It's through him. A lot of people are trying to find life. I'm just not finding it in this. I'm not finding it in that. I keep trying all these things. Well, Jesus came to give life and life abundantly, John 10, 10. Jesus gives the life. It is found in. In him. Now there's things in life we can enjoy and aspire to. But you're not going to find life in things. You find life in him. I used to have a shirt growing up. Life is football. And I really thought that was true. I had a pretty good arm. I thought that's what it was all about. Can I throw the ball? Because it's all about football. And if we win, then life is good. If we lose... We're not even allowed to say a word on the way home on the bus because we lost. Don't even look at each other, that sucks, life's over. I mean, that's what I was taught as a kid, right? That's how bent we get on stuff. All right. That we might live through him, that we might live with him. And that we might live for him do you guys see that played out here that's the importance of this um, i think i'm going to pause there i wanted to keep this message super short and the best scriptures are still yet before us in this chapter and i don't want to rush through them and i was really hoping to come around our call to ambassadorship for the kingdom of god in the call of reconciliation and giving ourselves to that ministry because that's really where this is all heading and I think we're just beginning to kind of you know uh, scratch the surface of that and I don't want to rush through it because there is so much I mean the next verse verse 17 for anyone who's in Christ is a new creation old things I've passed away. Behold, all things come new. Like that alone, we can talk for 10 hours next week about. But we're not going to. We're we're (laughs) going to take some time, and we're going to finish this chapter. Next time I'm with you guys, Lord willing, Uh, next week Ozzy's going to be teaching through Chapter 6 with you guys, Uh, and there is a lot there. I want to encourage you guys to be reading ahead. Um, But I do, I ask the worship team to do a a song um, that really resonates In my heart, at least, around this idea here uh, of having life in Christ and grasping the gospel. So, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time, and we're going to close our time in worship, and I'm going to come back up. So, knowing, guys, that you've been adopted into God's family, there may be some this morning that say, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if I'm a part of God's family. The thing that is so cool is there is a Father in heaven who's made a way for any to come and be a part of his family. We're not all God's children upon this planet. It's only those who've put their faith in him because he paid a great price upon a cross 2,000 years ago so our sins could be forgiven. And anyone that puts their faith in Christ shall be saved and if you say yes to him that great gift If you truly believe in your heart and you confess that the bible says you're saved and if you've done that you are a part of his family you are adopted into the coolest family of all time think about that guys you're a new creation you are a citizen of heaven you're a child of god a friend of christ a family member A bondservant of Christ, his bride, you're his poem, his workmanship, the apple of his eye, you're his beloved. There's four things I want you guys to consider. I read Ephesians earlier this week, and it starts off the first sentence. You guys ever catch that? He's writing to the saints who are in Ephesus. We're saints in Christ. You don't have to do a bunch of things and have a church approve you to sainthood. If you're a believer in Christ, the Bible says you're a saint. So if you want to start calling me Saint Landon, I'm totally down (laughs) with that. But what if we did that with one another just to remind each other, brother, sister, you are a saint because you're in Christ. You are a saint. You are holy because of him. Also, in chapter 1, verse 5 of Ephesians, it says there that we are adopted. We're no longer abandoned. Think about that. For those in Christ, God will never leave you or forsake you. You see, we have this adoption, and there's a few things that happen with adoption. Father pays all the debts. You receive all the father's privileges. Unable to be adopted, a parent could never, you know, obtain legal guardianship. But that's all taken place when a person comes to faith in Christ. We're also told in chapter 1, verse 13, that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Aren't you guys glad for that? Sealed, that means we're secure. God has placed his stamp upon us. You are sealed. Okay? Ownership. We're also his poema, his masterpiece in chapter two, no longer valueless. I want to encourage you guys as you read the scriptures, 160 times the Apostle Paul uses the phrase in Christ in the New Testament. There is so much that we have as believers in him. And I encourage you in this way, guys, because I don't want you to miss it. We have an identity that is very clear from who we are in Christ and that is the part of us that matters the most and some quick reminders roles are not what you do identity is who you are you aren't what you do but what Jesus has done and you aren't what's been done to you but what Jesus has done for you Father thank you so much for this morning we praise you thank you for your great love thank you for all that you have done for us are doing for us that you've promised for us you're a good god we know we don't deserve it but we are so thankful that you are our heavenly father who gives good gifts to his kids what a savior I pray in your name amen